Martin Baker preached a great uh, message a few weeks back about um, uh, from John 15 and uh, talked about the, the vine and the branch and the fruit. Remember that? Martin remembers it. Good. <laughs> and, um, and his encouragement was, look, let's don't get pre- too preoccupied with the thin end where the fruit comes out. Actually, let's just turn our focus for a minute on actually where we are grafted in, where we are abiding in the, the vine. And um, it's such a helpful image. But, um, and, and so John 15, say, John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Do you remember that morning? And, uh, and you know, it's good not to focus too much on the fruit. But on the other hand, the heart of the Father is that we are fruitful. And uh, so we, we as a team had felt in our conversation sort of drawn towards a, a theme preach series around fruitfulness, fruit of the spirit, that, that kind of thing. And, um, and so I found myself thinking about the first thing in that of, you know, where the fruit of the spirit are mentioned in Galatians 5. And the first one that's mentioned is love. And, um, but the, the challenge with doing a preach series on the fruit of the spirit is we can end up turning what is actually the benefit of relationship with the Holy Spirit into a bit of a work. You know, if we, if we go through each of the individual fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., etc., we, we identify each of those nine, um, and, and we, we kind of want to because we want to release those into our, you know, we want to see those released amongst us, but at the same time, what we don't want to do is say, be more joyful, <laughs> be more patient, because it turns what actually is, a, is, a, is the overflow of the, you know, the benefit, the gain of relationship with, with the Holy Spirit. It turns that into, into a work and an effort that we're going to try and muster up to kind of fake it till we make it. And that's not the heart of this at all. The heart of this stuff is, hey, remain in me. Remain in my love and see that these amazing things are going to happen. And so that's kind of the way round we're approaching. So I've even nervously been thinking, oh, we don't want to do a preach series on the fruit of the Spirit. We are, what we want to do is do a, a, a whole series on what does it look like to remain in Him? What does it look like to walk in the Spirit? And I love the way that Galatians talks about walking in the Spirit. It's habitually walk in the Spirit, it says. It's, you know, each step... Make sure you're, you're, even your steps are with him, that we're not slipping out of step. It's like this amazing three-legged race that we get to do through life with the Holy Spirit, if we choose to. And, um, and then obviously Galatians goes on about what happens if you get out of step with the Spirit and start focusing on other things and you, you know, you'll end up falling over, much as you did at primary school when you did a three-legged race. Um, but when you get it right, it's amazing, isn't it? And um, but it starts with love, and so I was thinking about the prophetic words from last week, and and actually there's some brilliant, brilliant stuff that came out in those words. So I just thought I would just read a couple of those words, if I may. Um, I'm not going to read them all now, although there was some really helpful things. Um, we put them in the newsletter. I don't know if you saw that little link, but there's a little link in there. Um, I took the time just to write it up through this week so that we could actually have a copy of those just to read through. Um, 
In fact, can I just share with you a couple of my reflections on this? Is that all right? Um, there was um, one of the ladies that was stood over here. She started off talking, um, and she had a dream about a girl who was dressed in white. Do you remember that? And, um, and that this... Um, uh, well, should I just read it? I saw a girl dressed in white. She had a white T-shirt and white jeans on, but she was lying on the floor, assumed dead. I think the age is slightly important, 20 to 35. She was a young person. I'd been told that she had split herself open. It was a ghastly image. Somewhere in the dream, I went into the room and I found out that she wasn't dead at all, but she was crying. So I went to the back to the others who were there, slightly older. Their attitude was interesting. It was as though she wanted to die. She tried to commit suicide. Let's leave her. And I tried to rally support. Now, significantly, one of them I knew was a worship leader, and I tried to get them to come through, but they were very reticent. Um, I think it's good with prophetic things to talk about them and weigh them together and go, what do we think? Does that resonate with you? Does it not? I don't know if that's your practice, but it's a good thing to do because then more faith comes. And um, the, the thing that, and it, it goes on in what she's talking about, but the thing that struck me was um, where she said about the age being slightly important. And when she said about the age, um, I realized actually this is a word for us as a church because our church is about 26 years old. And uh, we've been through a bunch of stuff. And, um, you know, there's been that sense of being split open at points in the pain of some of those things in recent years. Um, but there's this sense of health and healing that this is not dead. And, um, you know, I, I looked across the kind of the, the scene last weekend going, thank you, Jesus, this, we're alive. And um, you're doing something. Actually, we're treasured by you. There's something, and um, yeah, there's something in the heart of us as a group of people that is really precious. And it's really precious to the Father. So much so that others are going to come and are coming. And you might even have been drawn to us. And I believe that actually you're here to help to bring restoration to this girl, to this, this church, um, this you know, significant part of the bride. And um, she went on to talk about um, the place of um, what it is for us to worship in spirit and in truth. Um, so, um, anyway, I'm not going to read all of the rest of them. Um, maybe we could dip into them at another point, but I did just want to read one of them. So this was from um, Andy Hare, Raj's husband. And, uh, and he said this, I saw a picture of children running down a bank into a river. There was so much joy in this river. It was amazing. It was a wonderful picture. You can imagine children splashing around, doing all sorts of things. And as the children were running down, they left something behind on the bank. It sounds a bit weird, but it was like a tomb, like the story of Lazarus. I felt the Lord saying that those things left on the bank are your f false identities, Things that we put our trust in that are not God, essentially. Return to your first love. We need people in the church to return to the first love. Jesus Christ, uh, sorry, we need people to return to the first love, Jesus Christ. We need people that are saying, I want you to be my everything. I want you to be my all. And that sense of leaving behind whatever it is that we are trying to get our life from. We try to get our life from other things. So leave it on the bank. Run into freedom 
that is in the river of God and you will find joy and peace and freedom and love and grace. All the things actually that we were looking for, the false things, leave them on the bank and received Christ more deeply. That's powerful, isn't it? Um, but that's what we're doing. We're leaving the past behind. We're leaving the stuff behind that's got in the way. Um, and we're headed into this river. And um, uh, actually, there was another short one that linked into this. Um, when I began to pray for Oasis, God gave me this word back in December, the word restoration. Some of you here can't get to the place where God is calling you to because of what you are looking back on. I feel God is saying in order for you to get to the place and to receive, uh, in order for you to get to that place and to receive whether it's healing, whether it's deliverance, whether it's salvation, the old has to go. Um, And then something else that links into this, um, because this has got me thinking about love, you see, and this theme of what it is for us to experience love. And what better way do you start a new church than actually a fresh revelation of the Father's love for you? And um, uh, I was in a meeting... um, this week through, um, so we're connected to the, liver, uh, the Living Fire group of churches um, with Pete Carter over in Kent and um, uh, there's a girl called Irene um, who is a prophetic lady in that context over at Eastgate and uh, she um, shared a word that was, um, uh, that she'd just been, I guess, letting God cultivate in her. And it just tied in, and I just wanted to share part of this with you. Um, uh, So it starts off, it's all about love. This is where we start and where we end, in love. God is calling his people back to the heart of love. To love him first and foremost with an undivided mind and precious attention. To (laughs) To know his deep and radical love for us, his children and to love others with an unadulterated, stubborn love. That's a great phrase, isn't it? To love with an unadulterated, stubborn love. God is calling us to a radical, open-handed generosity, and it's not about money. It's about our time and our thoughts and our intentions. It's about what we bring to the table and the position of our hearts. He's calling us to be radical and intentional about how we love how we give, how we position ourselves, how we serve one another, how we invest in the people and the communities around us. We are his beloved bride and he loves us. He's calling us back to love and care for his creation. We cannot use churches as islands in the darkness of the world anymore, but as an active resource for deep societal change. That's partly why we believe we were called to change the name of the church. Um, uh, let me just read that again. We cannot use churches as islands in the darkness of the world anymore, but as active resources for deep societal change. However, no lasting change could be obtained outside of the deep knowledge of who we are and whose we are. We are God's secret weapon on the earth. Um, 
So, I just want to pull these little threads together. Um, there's this thing about being called back to our first love. And um, that's mentioned in Scripture, obviously, and mentioned in the book of Revelation. Do you remember that? And uh, Revelation is an odd book in many ways. It's one of the hardest books to navigate in the Bible. There are many, many cleverer people than me who've actually um, not wanted to do the same work on Revelation that maybe they've done with other books. Um, I remember the th um, Calvin, you know, the historical figure Calvin, he wrote a commentary on every book of the Bible except Revelation. And when he was asked, why didn't you do a, a commentary on Revelation? And he simply said, because I don't understand it enough. And it needs to speak for itself and not be, you know, not be added to. And, um, uh, but at the same time, it is brilliant, isn't it? And it's brilliant to be able to sit with the Holy Spirit and allow him to speak through the symbolism and through the prophetic language and to be able to dream with him of the future and of, of Christ's return. And... Um, and also to deal with some of the challenges. And so part of the challenge of the book of Revelation are these seven letters to the churches. And, uh, and that's where we find this phrase about um, your first love. So um, in Revelation 2, this is um, the letter to um, the um, church in Ephesus. It says, I know your deeds and your labor and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil people. And you have put... Um, you you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured on account of my name, and you've not become weary. So that's good. But then it says, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember where you have fallen and repent, and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and I will remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. But I have this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolo Nicolaitans, um, which I also hate. Um, so there's some bits in there that are slightly not as easy to understand. But it got me thinking, you know, it's the Nicolaitans, these are these, basically a group of people influencing the church who are seeking to either add to god's word or take stuff away from god's word or to distort it and it's possible to live in an era like that isn't it you should probably know because we live in an era like that i don't know if you've noticed but there are lots of people around the place who want to add stuff to scripture or take stuff away from scripture um, or just distort it yeah and there's this line that these guys were holding of being true to that. So they were being Berean. They were testing who was coming in, what they were saying, and they wanted the to, things to stay true to God's word, and that's great. But at the same time, there was this challenge of, except something's happened to your hearts. And, um, you know, it's wearying living like that. I, and in many ways, what I kind of want to just share is a bit of my journey um, because 
I've known what it's been like to have felt like you're surrounded by those that are wanting to take things in a different direction. And uh, have you ever seen that picture? I, I think, I don't know who ever did it or someone must claim ownership for it, but the kind of image of a whole load of fish swimming in a direction and then you're the, there's this other fish that's going the other way. Have you ever seen that? And um, life can feel a bit like that when you walk with Jesus sometimes, can't it? And, um, and, and that's what obviously these guys were going through. And, but there's a reality that that can affect us in different ways. It can affect our hearts. And um, for them, that's what um, the Holy Spirit was drawing them back to, was, look, you've lost your first love. And um, in a way, this is the journey of sonship. And um, uh, so just some different thoughts that I had about actually what have I experienced and needed healing for? Because last week, um, I, my experience of last week was that I, um, Mike, the Californian guy, prayed for me. And um, there was a really wonderful sense of God's hand just being on my heart. And um, and he just Mike was he just used this phrase actually that um, uh, that there's scar tissue that God wants to remove. And I just stood here, just allowing, just inviting the Holy Spirit just to have free reign. And it was like I felt um, stuff just being peeled off of my heart. You know, it's not that my heart was broken to the point it didn't work, but this sense of scar tissue just can slow us down sometimes, can't it? And, um, you know, I'm never going to talk about these sorts of issues um, from a place of kind of being an expert on it or having walked the walk and done it because sonship is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong thing that we're walking through. And um, But I've noticed over the years um, different little traits that have come out for me. So I've noticed at points, if I've felt um, knocked around... I can become hard-hearted and I can think, it's okay, I'm just going to, I can love people because I'm told to love them and I can almost adopt that robotic stance of that's how I'm going to do it, you know, God tells me to love people so I'm just going to love them, um, when the truth is actually there's some broken-heartedness that needed to be fixed in order to be able to, to move forward it's easy to become legalistic isn't it you know just to that robotic sense of that's how i'm going to be and but you know that doesn't work because that's not how we're loved and it's not how we're to love others um unforgiveness can sometimes rob us of intimacy with god and um can result in a hard heart um the other thing i've noticed uh, at points for myself around this issue is um, is where I start to sort of pr have to self-protect, and um, you know you you don't want to get your heart broken again. So you just think, no, I'm just going to keep this in a little box, and um, and that'll be all right. You can't you can't get at me, and um, but the problem with doing that is you tend to keep God out of the little box that you've put your little heart in, <laughs> which doesn't really work. Um, uh, can end up becoming mistrusting of others because if your heart's in here, you think, well, then I'm not actually going to trust you with it because I've been hurt before. So I'm going to live from a place of um, 
keeping it inside and therefore keeping you at arm's length. And um, again, that doesn't work because that's not how we've been designed and it's not how God loves us. Um, the other thing that I've noticed about myself at points, which is frustrating, is I can become judgmental of other people. Where my heart gets hard and crusty, I can then look down on other people or be a bit full of pride about what I'm doing. And um, I bet you can't relate to any of these, can you? <laughs> this is just me. One of the joys of being a leader in an environment is you get to go through all the discipleship journey that everybody else does, but you just get to do it in public. Um, and, um, and then one of the other things that I've noticed is um, that younger brother thing of actually I'll just be rebellious. Because when we put our heart in a little box and we, we pull back, we pull out of intimacy with God. We pull out of what it is to walk in step with the Spirit. And then other things will steal our attention, they'll steal our gaze and rob us. And, um, and I believe that what, what we have the opportunity to do is to look again at this subject. Um, I love the fact that this subject of the father heart came up 25 years ago. And, but it feels like we're being brought back to this subject. Um, numbers of people have started talking about this subject. And, um, and I remember a little while ago saying that I feel like there's things that we've all had revelation of over the last couple of decades. But actually, in order for us to walk forwards we need to come back to some of those things and experience them afresh. Because um, we're all a bit older than we were, maybe when we saw those things for the first time. But there's a new context now for us to experience them in. There's a, you know, it's a new season to die to yourself, isn't it? Um, and uh, just before the pandemic, I went to Canada and um, on a trip that some of you may remember. And one of the things that... Um, uh, I received on that trip was a prophetic word and so I'm taken however many thousand miles it is to a random church in Canada and a lady came from another random place in Canada she had not been to that church for a long time she was just visiting family God gave her a word to share and it resonated with me and she felt this is probably only for one person in this room and um, you know I love that God loves me that much that he would join some really random dots together in order for some healing to happen in my heart. Because when I went to that trip, I was probably in a, pay, in a place of resenting the fact that I have a soft heart. And um, Raj brought it up last week, didn't she? Um, about having, a, 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 and it's been said before, this sense of having a heart after, after God and, you know, that David comparison thing. And, and that all sounds lovely and that all sounds great, except when you get bashed around a bit, it hurts. And, um, and so at that point, I was probably in a place of, I'll just keep my heart in its little box. And, um, and on that trip, I just felt God saying, no, no, I've, I've created you with a soft heart. But I've also, I'm also giving you thick skin. <laughs> and I'd never heard that before. Um, and the conclusion that I'd come to of living with a slightly harder heart or a heart slightly detached. And I know tons of church leaders. And do you know the way that they live? Is they keep detached 
from you lot. And it's in the denominational settings, it's, it's even more extreme because they know that they're only there for five or seven years and then they're going to move on. So their mechanism, their coping mechanism is they don't do authenticity in the same way. They don't share in the same way. They just keep one step removed. And, um, and I'm not very good at doing that, as you know. And I don't actually believe it's right. I believe in a priesthood of all believers. And I know that you do as well. And so we're just working this stuff out together, aren't we? And um, so what I received on that trip was actually, no, no, God's giving me thick skin. That's okay. You know, you can, in the Holy Spirit, you get Teflon coated in the Spirit, don't you? That's why he's the Spirit, the oil of gladness. Um, oil's great because oil makes stuff fall off, doesn't it? It makes you greasy. And, um, and that's what we need sometimes because the accusations will come, the... The, um, the arrows still fly at points, don't they? But we've got, we, can, we can be strong in him because of who he is. Um, but if our hearts get hard and crusty, we're nowhere. And um, so I wanted to kind of, this is my kind of call, I guess, for us just to look afresh at this subject. Um, I feel like we're being invited back. And for some of you, this might be a bit of a painful thing like it's been for me at points but we need authenticity as a church family we we need to deal with our stuff there's stuff that's going on in some of our lives which is preventing us from fully stepping in to what god has for us there's stuff that's keeping you from getting into that river and there's stuff that's keeping others who are not even in this room at the moment because their stuff is so big, it's actually even keeping them from coming in. And we get to invite people in. And we need to be inviting one another. We get to come alongside like the Holy Spirit does and take hands and say, I'm going to help you. And I want to encourage us in the coming days and weeks to, number one, come back to our first love ourselves. It says in... Um, Song of Songs, it says, My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. You know, you have to have a soft heart to read those verses. <laughs> those verses will bounce straight off if your heart is hard. Because <laughs> intimacy is a challenge. It takes trusting him again. Um, when... Um, when, uh, back in 1996... Um, Leo discovered her first love um, and um, she also discovered her second love that year <laughs> um, but she discovered her first love and you know there's something curious about our, the, 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 this phrase our first love it's not talking about your first love in the sense of the first thing you ever loved this verse is talking about 
him being your first love because as it says in um, Ephesians 1 it says he chose you the Ephesian guys got it they, they were in this context where they they lost it and that's why the letter but actually Paul had already shared this with them he chose you before you chose him he loved you first he loved you first and so it's returning to his first love and making that your your response is to for you to you know that's what leo experienced in 96 with her response to it was yes jesus i love you and i'm all in it's our response to his love that is the important thing and it becomes the foundation it becomes the very thing that our lives are built on and it's living with this this sense of heart so um conveniently there was an album who was at stonely bible week in 1996 i don't mean in any way this to sound nostalgic but there was a song because the album was called my first love and uh which is kind of precious for you isn't it and um uh so there's a song on the album called my first love and um and I got Stephen to give us the lyrics to the song because I feel like they're timely. And, um, and I might even finish by getting Stephen to play the song. And, um, and, and for those of you who weren't there, it doesn't matter because there's a moment where you realised that Jesus loves you there was a moment where that happened. If you know him today, there's a moment where that happened. And maybe you're sitting here and thinking, actually, I haven't had that moment yet. Well, maybe today is that point for that moment. Um, have you got the word, Stephen? So here we go. Look, my first love is a blazing fire. I feel his powerful love in me. For he's kindled a flame of passion, and I will let it grow in me. And in the night I will sing your praise, my love. And in the morning I'll seek your face, my love. And like a child, I will dance in your presence. See, I was telling about the dancing thing. You see? Because actually, um, I'll let the joy of heaven pour down on me. This is the other thing that happens. Um, Raj's word was about the roof coming off. Something of that has to involve joy being restored. And the pandemic's not helped joy much, has it? Let's be honest. And so there's something about us having to shake it off. And actually some of those prophetic words in that thing were about a shaking. There's stuff that's got to be physically shaken off of us. One of the things that is, in, is great about dancing is it, it's, it's like a prophetic thing in itself because it forces stuff to move and shift and, um, and get shaken off, like inhibition which is what I struggle with most in dancing. Um, oh, let the joy of heaven pour down on me. I still remember the first day I met you, and I don't ever want to lose that fire, my first love. My first love is a rushing river. There's that river again. A waterfall that will never cease. And in the torrent of tears and laughter, I feel a healing power release. That's what I'm talking about this morning. It's what we need, some of us, afresh. Um, and I will draw from your well of life, my love, and in your grace I will be satisfied, my love. 
Restore the, this is the prophetic bit. Restore the years of the church's slumber. Revive the fire that's grown so dim. Renew the love of those first encounters that we may come alive again. And we will rise like a dawn throughout the earth until the trumpet announces your return. That's the call that God is giving us for those that are in and not yet in. Um, so I want us to stand, if we can. Whether you were born before or after 1996 is of no importance. What is important is there's an invitation for us to dive into a river again. And um, that involves a soft heart. Realising again that we are loved. It is a bit cold in here, isn't it? Sorry, everyone. Um, I just noticed coats going on around the room. Um, we need some fire to come. Lord, I thank you that you loved us first. Even when we were lost, dead in our transgressions, as your word says, you loved us first. You came to us first. And your love for us first has caused us to be able to say, Jesus, we put you first. You've become our first love. And Lord, we want to acknowledge where healing needs to come. And so Holy Spirit, I just invite you to minister around this room this morning. I pray that we would be honest about the tombs on the riverbank, the, the stuff that we need to lay down, the grave clothes that need to be left on the banks the stuff that's got in the way, the things that have influenced us and robbed us of joy, robbed us of freedom, areas of sin in our lives, orphan-heartedness, rebelliousness. Attitudes that we might have towards others. Lord, we choose to lay them down like children. We choose to lay them down. Because we want to become childlike again. <laughs> Lord, I pray this wouldn't have just been a slightly hodgepodge message this morning, but this would be something that you would take and minister to our hearts around this room. You know where each one of us is at. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. I feel like I just see pictures of um, 
or a picture of um, blocks. Um, so I'm on this river ba- bank with Andy in that word, on that river bank, and I just feel like there's blocks that one or two folk here have been stumbling over, and it's like they've become, in your mind, they're solid. It's like a solid block, um, and you've put trust in this block as something that actually you think that you can build on. But it's like God wants to say to you, no, 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 you're, I want you to come into the river. Those blocks have become blocks of offence. And they're robbing you from the joy and the freedom of what it is to come into the river. And he's inviting you just to leave those on the side. To let them go. Holy Spirit, I thank you we can trust you with our hearts. We can trust you with our heartbreak. And uh, you enable us to come through, to be able to love freely again. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to release some joy and freedom over us as a people, that we would, um, we would see this ceiling bust off um, that Raj talked about. I thank you your destiny for us is to, have a, is to live with that sense of open heaven. Um, no limitations was the word. No limitations. So I pray for a spring to come back into our step, a confidence to come back to our words. Thank you, Lord.